Balancing Point Podcast. This is episode 72. There's no better time to work than today. This is it. I'm in ballet class today. Like, it doesn't have to be that serious. Dance is not, you know, life or death. But, like, today is a good time to do my best. Welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, where you will experience the captivating world of professional ballet. On this show, you will hear what it takes to make it in the exclusive world. Each guest will share with you their struggles, their I've made it moments, and their advice for success. And ultimately, you will learn what it is really like to live your dream. Join your host, Kimberly Falker, and today's inspiring guests as they take you on a behind-the-scenes journey into ballet. Hello, and welcome to Balancing Point Podcast. My guest today is Laura Mead, and she is a dancer with the Jessica Lang Dance Company. And as many of you know, Jessica Lang is just taking the dance world by storm lately. She recently won a Bessie Award, and now she is about to premiere her first ever full-length ballet called The Wanderer. And this ballet will premiere at the BAM Festival in Brooklyn, December 3rd through the 6th. So if you happen to be anywhere near New York City, be sure to check out the show. And if you haven't listened to my interview with Jessica Lang herself, you can go back to my show notes and click on episode 34 and 35. That's Balancing Point Podcast backslash 34 or 35. And she really was a great guest as well. But let's get started today with Laura because she's got such an interesting journey in dance and I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, So as a kid, I lived in Austin, Texas. Um, I went to a really small like Dolly Dingle school for a few years and then switched to a more serious ballet academy, which then um, merged with Ballet Austin. So I trained for a couple years at Ballet Austin. Um, But when I was... um, 14, my family moved to Berkeley, California. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, big move. And so then I went to San Francisco Ballet School for the summers, but I went to Berkeley Ballet Theater during the year, um, which is a small school, but a really wonderful school. The um, director for many, many years um, was Sally Streets, and she's still on faculty there, and she's the mother of Kira Nichols, and she herself danced with City Ballet. So it had a very... Um, professional atmosphere even though it was small so did you stay kind of doing regular school the whole way through I sure did I went to Berkeley High a big public high school um, which was actually really great for my dance development because I had the opportunity there to choreograph and um, to be in other people's like hip-hop numbers and you just sort of opened my box a little bit um so during your high school years, did you go away to summer intensives or did you stay at San Francisco throughout your career heading up to college? I went to San Francisco Ballet School three summers. Um, and then I also went to Pacific Northwest Ballet School for summer and to Houston Ballet Academy the summer after I graduated. I had a really wonderful time at PNB socially. It was just a wonderful experience. It was I right after my freshman year of high school and I had just moved, like I said, right before freshman year um, to Berkeley High and it was a huge high school. I didn't really know a lot of people and um, was really settling in and then I went to PNB and made amazing friends and they all knew me as a ballerina and I really, um, really loved that environment socially. Um, Dance wise, I do think that San Francisco was probably my strongest um, 
for programs. But, you know, it's interesting, Kimberly, and I think is that so, you know, I so I went to the summer program three times, not consecutively, but um, yeah, during my high school career. And every time I, you know, put got put on the list to, or I put, asked to be put on the list to be considered for the year round program because I was like, that makes so much sense. I live in Berkeley. I could just go into the city every day. You know, that's that's the path. Like, that's what I should do. Um, and every year I was rejected. Yes, I was never accepted into the year-round program. Really? Did you ever figure out why? Well, <laughs> actually, my final summer, which was before my senior year, um, Gloria Govern, you know, yeah, I had a meeting with her, and she was like, no, you don't have any turnout, and your thighs are bunchy. Um, yeah, <laughs> bunchy? No, yeah. So I was like, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> I said, you know, try to do try to do auditions this year. I'm graduating. And she was like, well, you could try. <laughs> yeah, oh. sort of, um, you know, a bit dismissive and which is fine. You know, the, the background there in hindsight, of course, I can see now that the path there, although I would have been just overjoyed if I had gotten what I had wanted and gotten to go to the school and become an apprentice, et cetera. Um, and that's the path that I saw as being the the right, the right one for you. Exactly. But I look at it now and I, it's hard for me to imagine that I really, really would have thrived. Like, I, you know, it's true. I don't have turnouts and I don't have like a perfect ballet body. And I can't imagine that I would have gotten to a place where I was really getting, getting to a lot of soloist roles. Like, I really, really don't think that would have. And that's so interesting because you're not the only one that's mentioned that the the failure, so to speak, in their own brain of mm-hmm. what was meant to be turned out to the, be the best thing that ever could have happened. And, you know, maybe we all do that in life. But, you know, it's like you date somebody, they break up with you, and then you're like, oh, gosh, if I not had that horrible breakup, I never would have met. But, exactly. but it's nice, though, that to hear, especially from dancers, it's nice to hear that thought process versus like, I've never let go of right. that dream, and it, oh it's been hard. It's more know? a failure of imagination than anything else. That's right. It's your the reality you put into your own brain, which never exactly. was reality. And, you know, you if know? you keep just working at it and making your decisions from an honest place, you know, I, I do believe that opportunities will arise, you know, and they certainly have for me. So. Right. Okay, so then you did San Francisco, and then you went into your senior year, when when you were done with San Francisco, with with that advice, did you go into your senior year of high school with a different mind frame? Because obviously that's when you decided to go to it Juilliard, is, but right? It didn't happen like overnight. Were you kind of like dejected when you came back from that? Like, I, I'm oh, sure, now I what? know I was certainly disappointed that I didn't get into San Francisco um, for the year, but I did think that I was a good dancer still, and I did. Well, obviously, because you can't get into those programs to begin right. with, you're and not. Right, and the blessing of a small school was that I was a big fish there, and I did get the opportunity to perform with professionals and to be sugar plum and, you know, to, well, to do true, that. And yeah. so I was still really working at the craft, and, you know, I didn't know, of course, a lot about the professional world. I didn't know where my place would really be, but I, I wanted to just sort of go as far as I could, like, keep banging on the door, in you know, and see if somebody would open it. So 
I, I didn't know exactly how that would work. Um, so I did apply to colleges. I applied to mostly dance schools, but also like a backup academic school. And then I did audition for companies as they came through San Francisco. I got accepted into the Houston Ballet summer program and I, you know, entertained the thought for a while of, okay, maybe I could go there for the year and go keep going the, that ballet route. But I, so, you know, I auditioned for Juilliard, really, I mean, of course, because everybody does, right? I mean, if, <laughs> if you're auditioning for dance colleges, you usually audition for Juilliard. And a friend of mine was like, well, nobody gets in there. And I said, well, somebody has to get in. <laughs> Yes, with not a lot of pressure on myself because there was just that idea of like, yeah, really almost no one gets in. So like, you know, this is not, I hope I get in. It was really like, oh, I'm not going to get in. So let's do this audition. Um, and hadn't really considered it, but when I, but I went to see a show um, my senior year when I was in New York and I hadn't gotten in yet. I had just gotten the call back. And oh, so you flew out to New York? Well, just to I had actually flown out to New York to audition for Purchase College. Oh, okay. Um, which I did, yeah. and then you took a day in the city and happened to be there for a February concert. And I was so blown away by the concert. It was Robert Battles and a piece of Lar Lubavitch, which was very reassuring to my ballerina self because I was like, oh, this is you know very classically based, and they're really beautiful and have beautiful lines. Um, and then a piece of Ohad Naharin, which I'd never seen before, which totally blew my world open. <laughs> like, so when I did get in and I felt like, whoa, like that, that really, I was not expecting, I had no idea. I mean, for my solo, I did a classical variation. So you auditioned and was it just all that you hadn't even expected even anymore when you were there? Oh man, yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> people ask me how it is. And I'm like, it was amazing, and it was so hard. <laughs> it was definitely the hardest thing I've done before or since. I've never worked as hard, and I've never had the pressure. I mean, even like opening night on Broadway, I had never felt the same pressure as I felt at Juilliard, and that is totally we put it on ourselves, big time. That's true. Um, but it's also, I mean, the people are incredibly talented. My classmates were unbelievably talented, and so then when you graduated, what happened? Do they kind of help set you up career-wise, or is it more on your own, or what's the next step process? Did you still think, okay, I still want to go for a, a traditional company, or I know that's like a thousand questions in one, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, it was interesting. We definitely had a meeting um, at the end of the year with Larry Rhodes to talk about, you know, what our goals would be. Um, yeah, they are very proactive. They really push us to do auditions, to take audition tours. Um, they, you know... Will call people if they need you know I, I really appreciate all they do um and so I had my meeting with Larry and he said you know I think I think you could go for a ballet company if you wanted to and it was amazing to hear because I was sort of had almost written it off because I was like oh well I chose to go to college so you know now I'm not really a classical dancer anymore like they don't go to college um but I was like oh well that that's kind of cool so maybe I will so when I auditioned, um, and I auditioned, I think, for probably 30 companies my senior year, um, but I did go to a lot of ballet auditions. Were they like the cattle call types? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are they as bad as people say? They're horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I recommend to avoid those if you can. <laughs> but actually, I did get my first job from one, so I can... What was that then? That was with Amer an apprentice with American Repertory Ballet. 
um, which in, was in New Jersey and at the time was directed by Graham Lustig. Um, and so I chose to go there mostly because it was the option and also because I could still live in New York and could still continue to audition and keep searching for what might be a better fit. And that is turned, that did turn out to be what happened. I'm, I spent six months there and learning a lot. And then midway through um, the spring, so not quite a year after I graduated, I got a call from a teacher back home in Berkeley who said, my old friend is the uh, dance supervisor on a new tour of moving out. And he wanted to know if I recommended anyone. Um, Could you go to the callback? So I managed to get into New York. We were on tour at the time, but I scrambled to get a ride back into the city and did an audition for moving out for Twilight Tharp. It was a callback. I didn't have high heels. I didn't have a headshot. Like my headshot was like on computer paper. (laughs) I had never like been so unprepared. (laughs) So unprepared. And actually, yeah, it's really inexcusable, actually, because I mean, that isn't that far from the world that I was in. But yeah, I, I had never auditioned for any musical theater or Broadway. Or so what did you like have that. to do for the audition? Um, I mean, it was just dance. Moving out is just dance. So I just had to play along with combinations that other people had learned that I didn't know yet. And then, <laughs> you know, partner and, and just act like the characters. And um, I had a great time. Um, again, made, I did that audition. And great you know I got the cup you know finished and I went back to American Repertory Ballet to the next day to perform and um, I had also scheduled for a bit of time off a um, audition tour to Europe that spring um, because I didn't know if I was going to have a job with American Repertory Ballet the next season I just had no idea so this was still something that I was interested in doing dancing in Europe and had that plane ticket. I was all set. I had lined up auditions and then I get a call from the moving out people and they're like, well, you know, Twyla really liked you. Um, but she wants to see you again. Uh, we're going to have another callback. And I was like, well, I'm going to Europe. I, I can't come. And, and I'm shortening this. It was really like three days of like, <laughs> you know, anxiety and nausea. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, eventually, and actually I was talking to Risa Steinberg, who was one of my teachers and mentors at Juilliard, and she was like, well, I think you just, if you want to still go to, you know, she, she just walked me through it, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I can't be too calculating about this. I'm going to go forward with my plan and, and let the chips fall where they may. And it, so they said, so I said that, you know, I said, I'm sorry, I can't come to the callback. I have, I have other plans. And they said, okay, well, then we're going to offer you a contract. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they had negotiation had at its best. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lesson to us all. Like, be willing to walk away. <laughs> wow. So, what'd you do with your ticket? I, I still went, but I just had a great time. <laughs> oh, what a great. Did you do any of the auditions anyway? I sort of did. Yeah, none of them were really formal auditions. They were all just taking class with companies. So, I did. Well, how do fun that. then? Yeah, it was really fun. And I just hung out with friends that lived in Europe and. So where did you do the company class slash audition type of thing? Um, so this is something that a lot of people don't know about um, because you don't hear about it in um, ballet school that much. But you can really email, you know, if you're at a certain level of training, you can email a director and say, I've been studying with such and such. Um, I will be coming through town. Would it be possible for me to take company class? You know, and if you'd be willing to watch me, I, here's my materials. Here's my CV. Here's my headshot. 
Um, you can do that if a company is coming through your town. You can go seek the company out. This is something that we learned at Juilliard and I think is really valuable. Um, Absolutely. And so that's in America as well as Europe. Yeah, totally. And are, are you emailing them saying, I'm interested in your company or I'd like to just experience a class of yours? I mean, is there a certain way to kind of word um, it so that you're I, not? Yeah. I think if you're interested, you should make that clear. Um, but I think also, but, and they don't always have time to look at you. So you could just say like, I'd love to take class. And if you have time to look at me, I would be so honored if you would consider me because I'm looking for work and I'm interested in your company and here's my reel and. Right. And just because a lot of my listeners are aspiring dancers or their parents, when you say a certain level, just to clarify, are you saying not only just technique, but is there a certain kind of age, would you say? Because I know that I, don't, I wouldn't want to like misrepresent and all of a sudden have a bunch of 10-year-olds trying to do I know. This. Yeah, I would say you need to be at the level where like you could, you will be starting a job in the next year. You could be I an think, apprentice. You know, yes. Yes. And also look at the company and see what their um, roster is. You know, some of them only hire from the school. So, of course, they're not going to, you know, or if you look and all of the dancers have other companies in their background, like maybe wait until you've gone to college or have had your first job or something. But you can always try. I mean, they can always just say, I'm sorry, we we don't have open company class. Thank you for, you know, you know, I don't think they're going to like blacklist you <laughs> no 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 I just I think I was just kind of trying to mentally make sure that I yeah yeah so say I this is great you, advice and I would say right if you think that you are at a professional level and that's what you're aiming for you know then I think that's when it's appropriate yeah that is that is an interesting tip yeah <laughs> which is what I'm looking for for people because that's part of this whole thing is just to try and unveil the confusion in the path. I know, because the thing is, is cattle calls, I mean, occasionally, of course, they have a job and that's where they're looking, but so often it's just not, you know, that's not how they're best able to see dancers. That's not how they're able to know which dancers are serious because, of course, lots of people take cattle call auditions as experience and they're not necessarily ready to move across the country to be an apprentice, you know. So I think to reach out is a way of saying, like, I'm serious. And if you're looking for the kind of dancer that I am, then you can look at me one-on-one and it'll be easier for you. So you went over to Europe, you had a great time, you came back, and what was working on that show like? Because did you, was it a traveling show or were you based somewhere? Yeah, so that was a bus and truck tour of moving out. Um, It was amazing. So for the first six weeks, Twyla was with us every single day. Kim Craven and Sean Kelly were setting it and she was helping assist and coaching and just generally being making us nervous and making us laugh and <laughs> you know um so it was so cool that we had that experience with her and then we went off for a year a year wow <laughs> yeah and what was, was that so like where did you go we went um at, like to a college campus near you <laughs> we <laughs> went yeah, to like 38 states and Canada. You know, it was all wow. um, North America. Um, pretty unglamorous, but pretty amazing experience. <laughs> How would you travel to and from locations? On a bus. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then you would stay in random hotel, or was there kind of a consistent methodology to land in a city and do it a certain way? Oh, yeah. I mean, we got it was very like 
you know, we'd get up at seven or so, get on the bus, drive, stop for lunch. We'd usually get into a city by two or three. Um, then we'd have, they'd have sound check and then we would just have warm up at about six thirty, and we'd hit it and we'd go. I mean, <laughs> that was for a year. And then I chose to leave the tour. It continued. Um, and its last city was Newark and Twyla came to the show and she said, what are you doing now? And I said, I'm moving back to New York. And she said, good. And then about 10 days later, I got a call from her um, assistant asking if I would be willing to work on some sketches in the studio um, with Twyla and a dancer called Charlie Hodges. And so that was that. And that became. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, this was right before, you know, the um, economic crisis. So it wasn't quite as dire um, so I wasn't really panicked, you know, I had saved money and I, um, was just really happy to be back in New York and, you know, I was like, ah, eh, something will come. And then yes, something really amazing came really quickly. <laughs> I think I was really lucky that she was looking for exactly someone like me. She had a dancer, Charlie Hodges, who, um, if you're not familiar with him, he's the best dancer in the world. And, um, he is very Petite. He's a shorter guy, and she needed a sort of foil for him. She needed a small woman to be his ingenue. Um, I am a five three and five eighths. <laughs> Every little eight counter. Yeah, and I think I even look shorter because I've yeah. But um, so I'm appropriately petite, and um, you know I think I was the right age. I was the right enthusiasm level, you know, <laughs> like, she, yeah, she had seen me dance, she had seen me, I was a swing on the tour, so she had seen me do a bunch of different roles, um, and she'd seen me be the dance captain, so she, yeah, so, yeah, she knew, right, right, definitely, yeah, yeah, I mean, then for that, part of the project she only hired people that she knew so um yeah so I just really lucked out to be the right like hair color at the right time you know <laughs> yeah and uh, oh my gosh it was amazing so for a few weeks in the summer um Charlie and Twyla and I um made some material and then in the fall we came back Charlie was at, away at college um, at the time, so his role was danced by Craig Salstein in the first worksheet, workshop. He's a soloist at ABT. Um, so I was Craig's girl. And so that was the first workshop. And then from there, um, we were off for about six months and then came back in August of 2009 to do a um, out-of-town tryout at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta. Um, and that was with a much new cast. Uh, most of the principals were the same, but all the ensemble was new. Um, but Charlie was back, so I was back with Charlie Hodges. And the tryout in Atlanta went really, really fantastically well. And so we were booked for Broadway, and we opened up on Broadway in March 2010. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the name of the show again was what? Yeah. It was called Come Fly Away. It was to the music of Sinatra. And it was just a dance musical. We didn't have to sing. We just danced our butts off. <laughs>
let's see. I think there were there were four ensemble couples, which I mean, sorry. Well, that might be true. So I think three ensemble couples and then four principal couples. Um, so it was Karine Plantadi and Keith Roberts and John Celia and Holly Farmer, uh, Rika Akamoto and Matt Dibble, and then Charlie Hodges. And how long and were you guys on Broadway? We were on Broadway for six months, and then we took the show to Vegas, and we played in Vegas at the Wynn. <laughs> That's not where you think your career is going to go, do you, 13-year-old dance? <laughs> <laughs> like, someday you could dance in a casino, too. <laughs> but it was awesome, I mean, you know, to get to do Twilight's How long were you guys and- in Vegas, then? And then the t- show went on tour for about a year, but I did not go with the tour. I chose to move on. Yeah. It was weird. Um, <laughs> I Vegas has the friendliest people I have literally ever met. I mean, the people who live there are, are so excited about living there. They really feel like they have this secret, this like very well-kept secret, which is that, you know, cost of living is very low. Um, you're very connected to the outdoors. You can have amazing hiking really close by. Um, and, you know, if you don't want to go on this trip, if you don't want to do Vegasy things, you have a really very normal life. Um, I'm just not into, like, driving and going to big box stores and, you know, living in a house. Like, <laughs> I'm cool with my little apartment and my subway. And um, But I'm glad I had the experience for sure. I learned to drive out there at age 27. <laughs> And you didn't want to go on tour just because you kind of knew what the whole tour thing was about? Exactly. I mean, I loved Come Fly Away so much. It was the deep honor of my life to have a role made on me, to dance with Charlie every night. It was just profoundly an amazing experience that I'm so grateful for. And I just didn't think that, yeah, that I, I felt like I wanted to end on a high note. And you know, like I said, my sweetie is back in New York and I had been on a tour away from him before and I wanted to prioritize my relationship and I wanted to see what else was well, you kind of, dance Like wise. you said, had the best of that experience. Oh my gosh, yeah. I just bet it did you so gratefully, you know. <laughs> well, you know, we were in a big house on Broadway. Unfortunately, we just couldn't sell that big a house. Um, but Steve Wynn was a great friend of Twyla's, I think, and, um, was, was really interested in the show. And so it was sort of, I think, uh, um, just a pet How was the audience in Vegas to compared to Broadway? They were, well, you know, uh, Twyla changed the show when we went to Vegas and I think made some really incredible changes. She tightened it. She made it shorter. She took out the intermission, um, They loved it. You know, it's a great show. And so when you got back, you probably, again, had kind of been able to save some money and and then not worry so much about that next step. Yes, but I will say the hardest thing is was at that time and maybe especially because I was older and, you know, just every day that I wasn't dancing, I felt sad that I wasn't able to dance. I think that has been the hardest thing about my career, actually. I'm so thrilled that I've been able to do so many different things. Um, But there have been gaps. There have been layoffs. And 
you know, you're just like, I have things to give and I want to give them and nobody's asking well, me to give them right now. especially <laughs> when you are accustomed to doing something that you love to do. You know, it's one thing if somebody in middle management had a break and had to figure it out, it's not quite as, you know, sad. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They're like, well, I have to pay the bills. But yeah, I'm like, I really want to be... Yeah, and so few people... Yeah. That's why I love doing this podcast because everybody I talk to is doing what they love to do and it's just so rare in the world to to find that for one and two be able to actually get paid to do it. So how long was the oh break that time it's then? Creamy. You know, I think I was pretty much unemployed for about 6 months and then it just sort of slowly started um building things like I did a couple of operas at the Met. Um, I worked with Morphosis um, for a time, which was a um, sort of pickup ballet company. And then um, Jessica Lang, (laughs) um, who, okay, so she is a uh, contemporary ballet choreographer, as you know, and had, I had heard when I got back from Vegas from a friend of mine that she was starting a company. I had worked with her at school my freshman year. The first piece that I was in was a piece that she created for my whole class. Was she and then my senior. a few years older? Yes. Okay. She graduated in 97. I graduated in 2006. So she had been working as a choreographer and had been invited back to Juilliard to create a work. And then also created a work my senior year. She had written me a card. You know how choreographers sometimes write sweet cards at opening night. And, you know, I said, like, it was great to work with you. I hope we work together again again someday, you know, and I, I remember reading that thing and like, yeah, I think that could definitely happen. You know, I feel like we're a good match. And um, so when I got back from Vegas and I was unemployed, I heard she was starting a company and I called her and left a message just saying, like, if you ever need a girl or have still have your card, let me know. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I have your number, which is weird, but... <laughs> um, and didn't hear from her. And then I ran into really? the subway platform, of course. Oh, my gosh. In New York. <laughs> and um, she said, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I never called you back. I lost my phone. How are you doing? You know, she was so chatty and so friendly. And, you know, I filled, filled her in. I was like, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. But I'm, you know, I'm also looking for work. And, you know, this is what I've been up to. And apparently she says now that as she was on the subway platform, she was thinking, you know, I have this Jacob's Pillow season books now. And I just need a girl. I need a short girl who can do this part. And then you're like, oh, by the way, there I am. (laughs) I'm five foot three, maybe not the three quarters or five eights. (laughs) And we've worked together before. Yeah. Like, so it's so crazy how that happens, you know, so serendipitously. Um, So she asked me then later to um, join her for the full company premiere at Jacob's Pillow in summer 2012. And yeah, and then it's been on and off, you know, as work build it, built, but um, here I am with our company now, and we've had work all fall, and we are building towards a season at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, where we've been in creation for a new piece. So it's, yeah, building more and more towards a full-time job, and I had no idea that this is where I'd be. So really when you to went to Jacob's Pillow, had you been there before? No, only as an audience member, and oh, it was really so on my bucket list. I, was like, yeah, I just Hi. interviewed the other day, yeah. Mel Shelby. Was she there when you were, I would assume she would have been, because she's yeah. done a lot on Jessica, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. so cool. that's 
I, I, after speaking with her, I'd put it on my bucket list too. <laughs> yeah. It is such a magical place. It's just one of those, it's like the only place in the world where dance isn't like the redheaded stepchild, right. you know? It's like, it is because of dance. Everybody is there because they love dance. The audience is there because they want to see good dance. The Ella is such a wonderful and visionary um, programmer and a great director. And, you know, the students are so into it and they get to, it's just so cool. It's also dreamy. You're in the woods. We actually, so we went there summer 2012 and were invited back for summer 2013. And then this fall, we spent two and a half weeks there in the fall um, doing a Oh, wow. So residency. how does that Creating work? They put you up there or you audition for it or they ask you? Well, um, I don't know exactly how it all shakes out, but, you know, Ella Bath has been a great supporter of Jessica's um, since before she had a company. So I think when the opportunity came to um, support this new creation, um, Ella was said, I'm in. And um, this is something they do with companies a few times a year, I think. Um, they, they There's a house on campus that the companies can live in. Um, and then you just go into the studio and it's so wow. beautiful. It's that would like be a, a great barn place in to the be woods. <laughs> it is. It's so conducive to, so yeah, when, to creation. So when she is working on, because she's working on her first ever full-length ballet, right? Who hires yeah. her to do yeah. that or is that just something that she wanted to do? How, how does that work? So that came when she got um, the invitation for us to uh, perform at BAM. They wanted a premiere. And, and explain they a little bit what course. BAM is. So BAM is Brooklyn Academy of Music. It's an incredible um, series of theaters. There's um, three theaters, I believe. And BAM Fisher is the newest space. It's a black box space um, in downtown Brooklyn in, in Fort Greene. And it's just gorgeous and the space can be reconfigured depending on how you want you can have an audience in the round you can have a traditional um then you were going to have audience on two sides which is a whole you know new set of considerations and then we have this incredible set that jessica um and her collaborator mimi have designed um we're going to have live music so they give they give kind of the parameters as far as time and deadline and then she goes to work yes. from there yes and you know she has to hustle also to find people to underwrite oh, gosh. you know that's always inspiration right is to just how am i going to pay my dancers how am i going to pay for studio space and luckily jessica's a wonderful businesswoman um and she has supporters who really believe in her work and so yeah and that would take away that, my pain is... from the creative process it's hard to be creative oh, and God. also have that kind of pressure on you I know, bless her, like, it's really, it's insane, you know, we are so lucky, we get to go in and take class and do our job, um, and she has to write emails, and right, she's the CEO and the artistic people person, and, yeah. and then, yeah, be creative, and work with us as creative individuals, and give us notes at the performance at night, and, you know, just, wow, like, yeah, she's, like, seven so that goes one, and I really, live, or you guys debut at the December 3rd, is it that right? Exactly, the third through sixth. It's called the Wanderer. It's Am Fisher, and, and then is the hope from there to so. take that on the road, or what is a choreographer's dream when they do something like that after they've presented it? 
yeah, after pouring right. so much work <laughs> into it, um, definitely to have other people see it. So we know that for sure we will. We actually have some bookings um, that are coming oh, into place now because people are interested in the work. And I think once it premieres, um, hopefully we'll get more and it'll just enter the repertoire of what a thing so that when we can it's on a part of a repertoire, is it? I'm sometimes confused by this. Is it just something like, okay, Jessica Lang's company comes through a city and presents it, or you guys hook up with a company and teach it some to them and present it some, or how does that typically work? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that would happen with this piece. Um, pieces that she's choreographed, yeah, we you know we do go off and set those. But this is more of a just a, other places. a presenting production, like a a theater in Cincinnati might take you. Yes, okay. this is. Exactly. Our our agent would say she has this incredible piece. Look at it. See what you think. Like, would you like to give this to your audience? And they say, like, yeah, let me show that, you know, or like, yes, I've been wanting to have Jessica Lang and this is the newest thing. So let's do that. How exciting. That's my be, understanding. I'm sure it will go amazingly well because she just won a Bessie Award, right? And explain a little bit more about that, what that means for her and the company and all of you guys. Yeah, so Bessie is basically the dance equivalent of, you know, the Tonys, Oscars. Of course, it's on a smaller scale because our world is smaller, but it's really special and we're really excited for her. Um, she It was for Emerging Choreographer um, and it just acknowledged our season last February at the Joyce um, and what she's been able to do um, in creating So it'll be so exciting. So you guys present for three days and then it goes. Kind of takes off from there, huh? <clears throat> yeah, then we'll have a bit of a break, but then we'll be back um, in January with a lot of touring and a lot of rehearsing. And yeah, <laughs> right now we're so it's like it's hard to think about right. beyond that. Like, so you guys were in um, Jacob's Pillow in the fall, and then right now you're in Arizona. What are you doing there? So we just finished a two week another residency, a two week creative residency at the Dell Webb Center in Wickenburg which is, uh, we stated a dude, a dude ranch. <laughs> I know it's so funny. These things, the career takes you to, um, so yeah, we finished, um, creating it there. She finished creating it there and, um, did some teching there. Um, and then now we're touring. So we're performing tonight in Tucson and a few more nights and then. Well, going back to kind of your journey in in dance this whole route how has your family played a part in your success um they are wonderful my family is wonderful and um i don't think they know how i got this way because you know i don't have anyone i think my parents are artists in their hearts but they you know are are not artists professionally by any means and um it's actually really lovely my dad um in his retirement has joined a folk dancing oh group. that's cute so cute and I, I, although i don't mean to diminish it by calling it cute it's like also wonderful you know <laughs> right well it's nice to see your parents oh, grow it's and... so cool and and you know to hear and my mom is a wonderful singer um and so she has sung with the folk dance troupe so to hear them talk about what it's like to perform and have people applaud for them and it's just oh, that's great it's really cool to have them relate to that side of what I do because it is very far removed from what their careers were yeah um, do they get to see you perform very frequently they do their best I mean for sure yeah they actually are gonna 
a flight to New York to see The Wanderer. Um, oh, and then, yeah, they saw um, me perform like once this year and twice in 2013. So, yeah, they do their best. I mean, I think that's kind of such a special thing about having a kid in the arts is it's like it's so apparent. Like you can just revel in their <laughs> accomplishments so easily because you can see it. You know? It's so true. And it's it's I've had previous guests say that that's their best way of saying thank you to their parents for all the things yeah. that they did to get them there oh. or help get them there. Obviously, it's you, you do it, but the parents have to yeah. provide the access to it. But oh, my gosh. But no, I mean, I owe them literally everything, you know. <laughs> yeah. But to be able, I mean, it would be great <laughs> as a child to be able to when I say child, I'm talking about anybody that's. <laughs> has <Yeah>. parents <laughs> but to be able to give back by showing them something that you love and yeah. you're doing and I just I think it's great I yeah I'm so glad I get when I get to perform for them and I mean just you know they always just said yes like they they literally never said no <laughs> even when it meant they didn't have enough money for something else and you know they just always said yes and so like unquestioningly which is unbelievable you know it's it's like I have this incredibly expensive hobby that most people do quit and not that I mean even if you quit it is the most it is time very very, very well spent you know learning lessons that I mean I would never you know say that you shouldn't do it if you're not going to be a professional. I would absolutely never say that. But, you know, they just, yeah, just poured money into this thing that they had no way of knowing that it was ever going to turn any kind of benefit tangibly, you know? And then it's like, but here I am. Like, this is, this is because of you, because you said yes. And well, it's true. You're right. It's, it's all being able to, like you said, you know, have somebody that says yes. And not everybody has that yes from their parents. Sometimes you have to dig deeper within yourself to find that yes. But across the board, it does seem that the consistency with each of my guests is that somebody was getting them to these things. (laughs) Most of the time you have to have a parent or a grandparent or somebody that's willing to make some sacrifices of their own to provide it for you. Right. So you've had a a great varying degree of auditions, which is nice because that's one of the pieces that, or one of the pieces of information I like to provide in this podcast. And so what would be some audition advice you would have for an aspiring dancer for summer intensives? Well, I guess I always used to worry about like, okay, should I be in a black leotard? Because, you know, that's like more, you know, demure or... (laughs) pink like that girl because she's really stands out and I mean I do feel like if they don't see you they will never take you um you know you don't want to be the crazy one in like wacky colors but I think if you are oh that girl in the red leotard like I do think that's helpful I think or you know the way and, and the way you dance too you know if you are just like so right and so you know quiet and so in the back and doing your thing they might never see you, and if you fall, but then you do, like, you have this amazing smile, and you do a huge jeté after, they will probably see you, you know? Um, and in most auditions, like, it is just about having, like, snagging that eye the first time so that then they keep looking back. Right. So if your technique isn't absolutely perfect, then at least overcome that with some personality. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing I think so much when I see... I mean, myself sometimes, every dancer is, you know, you watch and you're like, do you, do you love, 
of this like, because it's not really looking like right you love right you look miserable right now <laughs> and miserable and of course you might be miserable and that doesn't mean that you don't love dance but you have to plug into that part of you that loves dance because you will look better if you plug into That's that part true. you know if, if you look honestly about you know if you think like this is so scary and I'm falling off my leg, but I really do love pirouettes. Like I'm just going to think about what it feels like to pirouette because I love that feeling. Then I think just like it will like project through your face, you know, that like you're connecting. It's, it's so interesting to watch. I have been able to watch some auditions for summer intensives, not all of them obviously, but um, I don't even like to watch my own child. I like to just watch the energy of the room and kind of see. But it's so interesting how these poor girls are so serious. Nobody ever <laughs> looks yeah. happy. And, yeah. I, you know, it's the stress of it, but it's also that, that age yeah. where they look around and they see that every other girl is doing that same serious look. So they're not going to break know. out of the mold. Yeah, I know. But But that's good advice. So if somebody is listening and wants to try a little something different <laughs> smile once in a while <laughs> yeah I think the less I mean when I you know when I think about that the auditions that I've had that really have led to incredible openings of doors my Juilliard audition and my moving out audition both of them I really like it was a lark you know I wasn't thinking like this is gonna decide my life it did decide my life but I didn't know that and I didn't act like it did you know I well, you didn't even have the right yeah, shoes for the no, one audition. On my tippy toes instead of in heels. And I was just like cheesing it up, you know? I mean, I think the more that you can relate to what, like how you would in a class that your favorite teacher is teaching, you know? When you're doing your favorite combination and you feel incredible, the more you can tap into that, the I think. That's that's a great piece of advice too you know and you you compare those two experiences with your 30 cattle call (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sure your face wasn't all that wonderful i mean just the very fact that they're called cattle calls you know it's so horrible (laughs) it's so demeaning and you know i think you have to bring your own like well i'm a person here today i'm not a cow i'm a person i'm a dancer (laughs) (laughs) bring your own personality yeah and maybe a dancer who's auditioning for summer intensives could kind of like with college applications where you do the ones you really want, but then you do like the backup mm-hmm. plan one. And so maybe just for fun, you do an audition that you don't yeah. care about the results yeah. of, but you practice your right. personality in that play. audition. I think also, um, I didn't understand this very much as a student, but schools really do are, I do believe, looking for potential as much as, you know, finished Absolutely. product, like they, their favorite would be to make you look like they want you to look. So I really think that if you can, you know, look moldable, moldable and, you know, look like you have maybe the raw materials and not necessarily, if you, yeah, a little bit imperfect. Yeah, it's okay. It's really okay. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think that just kind of come up with a thought on my own. I think that it would be a great idea to do some auditions to to not like mess with the no, audition but. or the adjudicators but actually practice a role for yourself on how to be I more relaxed or how to have more of a personality yeah. so and it may be kind of like what you experienced in life that may actually be the audition that you yeah. love the most and you may choose that because yeah. of that and i think the other thing i you know at auditions throughout 
people have always said like show us who you are like we really you know and you're like I don't know and I'm 14 That's I don't impossible. know <laughs> you gotta talk to me for a while and I just still don't know <laughs> yeah and you're like well this is the scariest thing in the world how am I possibly gonna I don't know what that means and I think that mm-hmm. well it's like each of us have yeah. our different oh, yeah. sides to yeah. who we are it's like well if you meet me in this environment I'm this type of person but in this environment it's Absolutely. totally different so yeah it's like I know I always found yeah. that like so that's so arbitrary. So hard to, <laughs> you know, such hard advice. Especially for like a 16-year-old or 14-year-old who's already yeah. so uncomfortable in their own skin yeah, anyway. Yeah, like, are they asking me to smile? Is that what I'm supposed to show? You know, like, and I don't think, <laughs> but I just think if at all possible, if you can think about doing it for yourself and in a, in a relaxed manner. Again, that's so easy to say with wisdom, know, but like, it's just... Um, it's so crazy that like life's some of life's toughest stages and experiences are when you're in your worst stage of oh, life. Man. Yeah, right. Everything is in transition. I mean, a lot of big decisions are being made like 14 to 18 yeah. and in dance and in life, but particularly in dance, those are kind of critical years. Yeah. yeah. And yet those are the years that nobody yeah. feels comfortable in their there. best. And it's true. It's, I mean, you think about these dancers becoming professionals when they're teenagers, and it's really... Yeah, they're having to make life yeah. decisions. Okay, am I going on to further my career or my education? Yeah. Or both? Yeah. And how do I know that that's going to work you out? Don't, you don't. You don't. <laughs> but if you make it from an honest place, I mean, I think that you will live with the decision happily, even if you right. go and change it, you know? <laughs> well, that's what I keep trying to tell mm-hmm. my kids. It's like, you know, nothing's no. permanent. I mean, we just moved to Florida, and... There's a lot of angst yeah. and emotions involved in it. Yeah. But like I said to them, I said, let's just pretend like we're moved to France for a year. I mean, yeah. nothing is permanent. Yeah. Easy to say, hard to do. Yeah. So then with regarding audition advice for college, how does that differ and what different advice would you have for that stage of a dancer's process? The thing is, that's different about college auditions is you typically prepare a solo. And I think that what you choose is important and it's important to know that that, like you said, we do have incredible numbers of sides to us. We contain multitudes, but this is the side that they're going to see. So mm-hmm. just present the one present you want the one you want, <laughs> and present the one that's strong and that makes you feel like you, not the one that you think like, Ooh, you know, this person did that last year and they got in so I should do exactly that like I think it's more like do I feel really good when I do this variation then I'm going to show it well that's true so is the rumor that to go to college first is going to sacrifice your ability to get into a company is that not so much true or is that true only with certain companies I think it's true only with certain companies and I would imagine it's true with the big valley companies you know I, I I doubt there's so many people that have, you know, an undergraduate degree that are in San Francisco and Pennsylvania Valley and PNB. Um, but I do think that at smaller companies, you know, at my, at American Repertory Ballet, I was one of a few that had been to a conservatory program. Um, and then, of course, in any not classical ballet world, most people will have gone to college. And then what about Europe? Is there a greater chance to get into a company there after I think probably because I feel like you would just be older. You know, I think this um, emphasis on extreme youth 
um, that exists in some ballet companies isn't necessarily true everywhere. I don't think, you know, a 22-year-old seems old to anyone but that but the 18-year-old, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's definitely something to consider, you know, to look and see where, you know, read the resumes of your favorite companies and see, like, where did they go? Because um, some schools might have a wonderful program, but if they don't have a good way of sending you into companies, you're a bit marooned, you know, especially if you're far from a city. That's true. In closing, I do like to ask a few final questions of all of my guests. So the first one is, if you could go back to your 13-year-old self with the wisdom, confidence, and lessons you've learned along the way, what advice would you give to yourself? Um, I would say both. <laughs> they might seem contradictory, but, you know, relax. Like, you just never know, you know. I really thought that I knew what the right path would be, and I really was so wrong. But also tell her that there's no better time to work than today. <laughs> you know, I think I was always like, oh, when I, when I get stronger, when my arabesque is higher, like when I, oh, that's great advice. Better, when, you know, and I still do that. Oh my gosh. Well, we <laughs> all do, you know, I'll lose we or I'll do. gain or I'll, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then like, I'll really mean it <laughs> next <like>. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I wish I had been a little bit more like, no, like this is, this is it. I'm in ballet class today. Like, it doesn't have to be that serious. Dance is not, you know, life or death. But, like, today is a good time to do my best. <laughs> That's good advice. You're right. And then with that same wisdom, confidence, and mm -hmm. lessons learned, what would be your advice to aspiring dancers? I would say one thing that's really been true for me that I maybe didn't know enough when I was young, but this is a really social business. We always do it with other people, alongside other people. Um, and we, you know, we think about ourselves, our lines, our training, how, you know, how we're going to do. But the bottom line, the day in and day out is with other people. And they're going to be the ones that hire you. They're going to be the ones that recommend you to their employers later on. They're going to be the ones that say, like, yeah, I really love working with that person. You know, you should hire them. That's happened to me multiple times. Um so being good to work with and being a good energy in the room is so, so important because it's, you know, you're working with other people. That's great advice. And then my other advice, which I'll probably say to myself tonight, um, Larry Rhodes, who's the director of Julia, gave it to me and before we went to auditions and he said, don't get nervous, get physical. Because so often, of course, nerves um, are very... Um, they are destabilizing, you know, you get, you pull up off your legs, you, you might be shaky, you like rock in your shoes, whatever. Um, and if you can at all, like sink that energy down and transform your nerves into physicality, because we also do just sort of sink back. We get smaller, we get, uh, we move our heads back on our necks, you know, there's just like physical reactions to be anxious. And if you can embody your body more physically, you will, both combat your nerves and dance better. And that'd be great for anybody to also use in the auditions we spoke about. Yes, definitely. And do you have a favorite motivational quote? Um, I do. I do. And uh, goodness, I should know. And you can paraphrase it. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm going to have to. And then I might look it up and see who I'm 
of poorly quoting, but it's um, nothing to prove, only to share. Oh, that's perfect, because it kind of combines both of the pieces of advice that you had. Oh, good. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, we're artists. We're, this is such a generous thing to do. And we think about it so often as like, but I want them to like me. And it should be like, no, they, I'm going to do my best because I have something to give. That's right. And I think that, unfortunately, too often in our world, the things that we're the best at, we don't give enough credit to. Right. Yeah, we... You, you don't realize that your gift and your abilities actually help elevate somebody else in a way that they didn't know they needed. And you just don't know that because it doesn't come easy, but it has become a part of who you are. So it's it's not different than what somebody else does or can do. Well, it's nice to hear you say that because it is hard to remember. <laughs> a bit of a responsibility to take it seriously. Yeah, I think so. You know, you, again, kind of almost <laughs> in a weird way to pay back your parents and the gifts that you've been born with, but at the same time, all the work. But it also is one one person, the audience might, might be forever changed. They might need that thing because you can't really quite understand what emotion it's, it's tapping into. You can't replicate, replicate it. You can't go pick up a, you know, an iPod and listen to music. Like it's, it's there, it's in that moment and it somehow transforms something in you for that moment that you need. And, you know, I'm, I'm just speaking from an audience standpoint cause I don't dance, but you know, I, I know that sometimes I could watch the same piece two different times and one min one time it's somewhat, I don't know, neutral. Yeah. It's enjoyable, but it's more neutral. And other times something just like, whoa, you know? Yeah. You're completely Absolutely. changed for some reason for that moment. It may not last forever, but something, you know? Yeah. And, you know, things that are ephemeral in our culture are not valued. And that is the magic of dance is that it literally only happens one time forever. And that's why it's so magical. And thanks again for tuning in to my show today. Be sure to continue to check out my show notes pages where I include links and pictures and all sorts of resources about each dancer and also love to hear from you. So I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at balancingpointpointe.com. And if you have any questions or suggestions for my show, certainly you can email me directly at balancingpoint at gmail.com. Until next time, have a great day.